Hey, Wonderfuls, welcome to episode 505 with my marvelous guest, Ivy Lee. She is the host of the fantastic FOGO, Fear of Going Out podcast, amongst other things, and I had a rollicking good time speaking with her. I hope you enjoy the episode. By the time you listen to this, you will have found out that Max Fun Drive is March 20th through 31st. I am hard at work on BOCO stuff and uh, goals and perks and ways of saying thank you to you, my wonderful, wonderful listeners and supporters. Of course, if you listen to this podcast, there's a very, very good chance that you listen to at least one other Maximum Fun podcast. So please know how important you are to us and how much we love you. If you have a little something that you want to say about the JV Club, you can email me at Janet at JanetVarney.com. You can record a little voice memo and send it along. Either way, I would be um, so honored to read a comment from you. Or even if you just want to record a voice memo saying, you know, congratulations on surpassing 500 episodes or something like that. We could put something together that would be lovely. I just would love to hear your voices so or represent your voices myself. I'll talk more about this and all other things Max Fun Drive soon. But for now, signing off. I don't think I've ever said signing off before in my life. And I'll talk to you next week. Well, I have you indoors. I have you indoors. It is. I love it here. I, I mean, I suppose you could have maybe this could be some sort of complex setup inside a tent, but I somehow doubt it. I feel like I've got the inside IV and not the outside IV. I love. I love this part of podcasting where we're inside. Uh-huh. <laughs> Thank you for having me indoors. <laughs> You're so welcome. Next time, I should have. Yeah, I should have just been like, well, she's an expert. I mean, she's already done a full season, so. I guess we'll just do this in the in the middle of a waterfall. <laughs> That's what it looks like over there. Are you an indoor uh, yeah, person yeah. or an outdoor person? I'm definitely a mix. I'm definitely a mix. I think um, out being outdoors, uh, just walking or riding a bike uh, has proven to be for me more meditative than being inside trying to meditate, um, for sure. Uh, and there was a period of time in which I was like so outdoors that I would like ride my bike in a horrible rainstorm out of stubbornness and stuff like that. But oh my goodness, yeah. When we, once you've hurt yourself a few times doing stuff like that, you start to be like, I guess it's not worth it. <laughs> I guess I don't need to break a bone. Like maybe I don't need to do that. Um, yeah. So we, Ivy, tell me. Uh, I mean, I. I, I I will say I am very hyper aware that all, all, any and all press you've done for your uh, wonderful Fogo Spotify show available wherever you get podcasts is uh, you have to answer the requisite question of like, so what happened to you that you hate being outside? So I don't want to like subject you to all the pat stuff, um, but I have the good fortune of having a podcast about being a teenager. So that gives me this kind of fun in where I can naturally set a context for you as a teen and find out where that was and what your relationship to the outdoors was like then and then I'm scratching all the itches that I am I am both excited and terrified to delve into (laughs) my youth and I feel like I I tried to shut out as much of it out of my memory as I could Uh (laughs) you're not alone where did you grow up or I guess I should say where were you a teenager since sometimes people move around and you know, aren't necessarily settled in place when they're in their adolescent years. Yeah, I grew up in Dallas, Dallas. You, you say Dallas, Dallas a lot of times. Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. Dallas, Dallas. Uh-huh. Like I had never, I thought I lived in a suburb just because I, it wasn't where all the tall downtown buildings what, what were. I lived yeah. behind the Hong Kong supermarket where all the Asian people <laughs> lived in just a big old Understood. immigrant neighborhood. Sure. Uh, neighborhood in, in uh, Dallas, Texas, before all the suburbs. It was such that when I was finally, you know, established enough to consider buying a house that I realized when, when they, when the real estate person took us to the suburbs, I was like, oh my God, holy <laughs> shit, this is a real suburb. I don't yeah. think I've ever seen one before. <laughs> you were like, I was closer to everything in the city than I realized in that I was inside the city all yeah. that time. I should have gotten a clue because I, I had a lot of friends in college in my dorm who grew up in suburbs, but I didn't know that 
that's why they acted dumb when we would go out late at night and just put put themselves in just the most the most unquestionable situations and didn't know how uh-huh. to oh, get like they were putting out. themselves in they were they were country people putting themselves in city situations not country they were they were i think they were just suburban kids i guess that's what i mean i was just yeah. giving, i was just making it an even more extreme uh dichotomy but um but you were like no that's i why why can't they see that that's maybe not the smartest safety choice yeah and i'm right just now. like constantly like alarmed i'm like do you not know how to stay alive like <laughs> <laughs> but it's fair enough for you because Dallas is a pretty sprawling city, right? I mean, it's like it's not it's not crazy for you to think that in that, you know, like many other uh, large cities that I'm familiar with, you know, it is it's it's a big enough place that one could conceivably think that. I mean, that makes sense to me, opposed to being like in San Francisco where you're like, yeah, I'm in San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I know. I, I know I'm there. It's like the allegory of the cave, right? If you're in the cave, you think that. You think that all the shadows are real? <laughs> you know? That's right. I didn't know anything else. I'd never been outside of a, I'd just never been outside of a city before. I had no idea. I thought mm. when I was uh, younger, before, um, you know, I, I lived in a, a few different places in Dallas, but I, I thought that I lived by a creek because me and my best friend from elementary school, uh, we would ride our bikes around and go crawdad fishing in the creek. And then when I went to college, some friends took me to a real creek, and I realized that that was a real creek, and I was playing in a sewer. (laughs) I had never seen a creek before in my life. Listen, that in and of itself could create some distrust in the outdoors. That in itself could make one go... This is making me uneasy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm just like, is this real? Like, am I in a matrix? Yes, yes. Well, okay. So you, so as a kid, you were out on your bike having some sewer-based adventures. Um, I guess you were catching SAR crawdads that probably maybe you were releasing back into the wild instead of cooking up and eating. I don't know. You can tell they, me. Yeah, these are definitely not edible crawdads. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. Even if you did think that it was a creek, you weren't going to necessarily fry them up, uh, probably for the best. Yeah, because um, I'm Vietnamese. I know the difference between like a tasty one and, and one that just looks sick. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense that they look sick because they were living in a sewer. Bless. Bless. <laughs> wait, 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 by the time you were in high school, you were were you still behind the grocery store? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And what was your high school like? Were you going to a public high school? Uh, were you going to private school? What was that? What was that like? Or homeschool? Absolutely. I am a public school uh, success story. I don't know if it's uh-huh. a success story. Same. <laughs> I'm Same a success. On all counts. I'm a public school story. I am a public uh-huh. school story. <laughs> <laughs> no, public school my 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 whole life. And then sometimes mm-hmm. when I when I realize that I'm completely ignorant about something, like a like a part of my body that ha- happens a lot when the doctor tries to tell you something as if you're supposed to know what that was, and I'm just like, uh-huh. look. Look, Doc, <laughs> uh-huh. I don't know what a cornea is. All right. Just tell me, <laughs> do I need a script or what? You know <sighs> that? Yeah, it's a it's a really handy excuse to be like, look, I'm really sorry, but I went to public school in Texas uh, my entire and, life. <laughs> and, the, and let me be an opportunity for us to improve upon it. Let me please represent. Don't you want younger people than me to know what a cornea is? Let's improve our education for everyone and not just the few. I don't I don't think the people in the decision making positions here uh, do actually. But that might be a topic yeah. for another show. <laughs> the question is how angry does Janet want to get? How angry about the how angry about the state of education in America does Janet feel like getting and how angry does Ivy feel like getting and do we feel like doing that right now? Okay, uh, so so it's like that for y'all in the other states too? It's not just where I am. <laughs> as far as I can tell. As far as I can tell. You, uh, was it a big school as well? Like that's, I mean, my high school is pretty big. Yeah. Huge. I just did a comedy festival recently in a small town called Paris, Texas called the Tower City Comedy Festival. It was lovely. And at my Airbnb, there's a little pamphlet about the, the, the town and it said the entire school district was a little over 3000 students. Wow. My high school was over 5000 students. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and does it have that, the, the somewhat uh ubiquitous but possibly just stereotyped uh texas high school notoriety of being like football was important um, yes big sports kind of presence yeah but not every high school where i was so i grew up behind the hong kong supermarket i was actually in this i was in this one street 
that was between two high schools. And so I could have, I was allowed to either go to, for lack of a better term, the Asian high school. Sure. Where all my cousins were. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Or the white high school, which uh, we call it the white high school because that, you know, the honors program, you know, all the AP classes were white, but it was actually very diverse. It's just segregated within the school, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, I knew, I knew that if I went to the Asian high school, I was never going to go to college. And I desperately, mm-hmm. desperately wanted and needed to be the first person in my family to go to college. And I was like, mm-hmm. if I go to that high school, that the Asian high school, that is not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> so I chose to be bused into the white high school that was uh, quite a bit further, you know, a little bit more inconvenient, but just had a lot more educational opportunity. And um, accordingly, also football was huge. The drill team was huge. The, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, it definitely, I think, fit a lot of the stereotypes of the movies of the mid 90s for sure. And how did you fit into that? I didn't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Important disclaimer. I think, uh, but I didn't have a terrible time in high school. I think I was just very focused on I'm going to get myself out of the hood one way or the other by hook or by crook. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like by oh, yeah. scholarship or by casket. And caskets are just t- so expensive. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I need that scholarship. I need to get out of here, yeah. you know. Um, and these white folks are the ticket there. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. It, and, and I did. I did manage to be the first person in my family to go to college. And I had a, a full ride merit scholarship. And I uh, I had a, a few full ride scholarship offers. And I ended up going to the University of Georgia, another public school, you know. Um, and at that high school, there was, I was a band groupie. So I couldn't play a musical instrument because my extracurricular was actually uh, AP art. So okay. just the, like just visual arts, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I there was always somebody in the band that I had a crush on, male or female. And I think I, I tried out for theater, but the theater kids were, you know, they did too many drugs for somebody who's trying to get to college. And yeah. I certainly did could not do athletics. I don't think my parents would have understood the, the demands and the cost, the extreme cost of participating in athletics in like sure. a really serious, big deal, giant Texas high school. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I was talking about that with a friend of mine who's um, uh, lives in Michigan, and they were like, it's two friends of mine who were both dads, and they were sort of breaking down the expenses of having their kids be in athletic programs. And, you know, there are some sports that I think kind of get the reputation for being expensive, and so maybe people avoid that. But then they were sort of explaining that, like, no, all the sports are like that because... You know, even a sport like softball, like it's year round now and you're expected to travel to different. Uh, this, is how little, this is how little I was involved in athletics. I literally was like, ooh, intramural something like me. Oh, I just found out that they're inventing new sports. They're inventing new sports? Yeah, I think it's called uh, wiffle ball. Uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, people have been playing. Yeah, oh, certainly no. people have been playing wiffle ball. Okay, like, then that's like, not the new one. Is it is it wiffle ball? Whatever people are playing now. I think it's pickleball. Like, pickleball. Pickleball. Was pickleball real before? I don't know if pickleball was real before. It definitely came into being uh, part of the zeitgeist very recently. I agree I with literally you. don't. Do they use lacrosse sticks? Is it like rugby? I think, I think do they have they a ball? Use pickles. I think they use pickles. Do they pickles. just roll pickles around like a field day exercise? <laughs> You roll. What you do is you drop a pickle on the ground. Now you get down on all fours and you roll it with your nose, and it is a blast. Are you serious? No, I'm not serious. I d- but God damn it, Janet. <laughs> <laughs> but I do feel like yeah. I mean, the things I'm hearing is like it's sort of like handball, but it's sort of like tennis, and it's sort of like racquetball, and maybe it's like badminton. What is handball? I don't know, but everyone loves it. Handball is played indoors. You might like it. <laughs> and it seems like everyone I've ever known who really got into handball has been seriously injured by an errant ball because that shit moves quick. 
you were really like not in selling a it for me. Sort of con- yeah, I don't I mean I I, w- I wouldn't. Um it just seems like that you know what I remember uh, most specifically is like see- being shown the movie Splash with Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah when I was little and there's a scene in which John Candy and Tom Hanks play handball or racquetball. I'm not sure the difference between I guess when you have a racket it's racquetball and when you're using your hand it's handball. I'm just realizing that right now right here on the show. Uh makes sense. Uh, but there's a lot of like John Candy, like not being fast enough and getting beamed in the head very quickly with what looks like a very painful small ball. So I don't, I, I forget where pickleball falls into this. I guarantee you there are a lot of people listening to this right now who are like, you are both idiots. Pickleball is amazing. It's the sport of the future. And maybe I'll make a commitment, whether I put it on a podcast or not, to play pickleball. Maybe I'm going to find out for both of us. And report back. Yeah, let me know, because I'm definitely not going to play it. And, okay. But note to self, write yes. a pickleball movie. Uh-huh. Yeah. I get, you're going to be fine. You're going to get any number of uh, America's funniest male comedians to be in it in some sort of, like, welfarely oh, if, sort of well, role. Well, then, no. Uh-huh. No, that's you it. Just, Those are the now only I don't people want to make it anymore. <laughs> Sorry. I thought, I, it's, just I thought it was a, a all-gender sport. Is it segregated no, by it gender? Because I thought the no, whole, I, I the think whole so. point was I, you so stop that asking me questions date. about it. You know I'm trying to lie to you're, you because I don't you're know. Just the, you're, I just feel like you're a white woman who I can trust <laughs> about questions Never about your anyone. culture. Never trust anyone. Oh God, it's pickleball on my culture. I am I am so out it's of the loop. Mine. I'm so out of the loop. Okay, let me ask you this. So, okay, so you, I love that you gravitated specifically towards the band for your crushes. That sounds like you were seeking romance outside of art, which to me also sounds like it could have some fun, like sort of brooding, cool, talented people in it. Um, and I say that as a non-visual artist who has always very much admired people who are skilled in that realm. Um, but you were leaning hard into the band groupiness of it all. That, that, is that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I love music. Music makes me do stupid things. But they were just crushes. I was such a nerd. There was no one at my school who would date me. Literally no one. (laughs) Everybody. Hmm. What? Well, I just can't. That's hard for me to imagine, but okay. I think uh, like every my high school sweetheart went to another school. All of my prom dates were from other schools. I yeah, I just never it, nothing nothing was happening. I think I had like one dalliance, uh, but turned out I was a beard, which I was totally fine with because I'm from the Bible Belt, you know. Like I'm not even yeah. Christian, right? <laughs> I'm I'm Buddhist, but my family's also very sexually conservative, you know. And so right. it's like okay, you know, like a, a a young man who doesn't know that he's gay yet. And then a woman who, who, you know, thinks everybody's bisexual, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. together, it, it makes sense, right? To, to hang out together. Yes. And then to make, and, and because none of our suspicions are raised that like nothing is happening. Because <laughs> we're just like, oh, I mean, yeah. everybody just waits till marriage, it right? It makes sense. And everyone does. And everyone does. Okay, we're going to take a break. I will be back after a word from our wonderful buddies at Maximum Fun. Wonderful. So it's getting a little dangerous over here. As you've heard in the past, I am so, so tempted to take credit for wild grain goods when I share them with friends and family. This time I was very, very tempted to pass pasta off, delicious pasta, off as my own, as if I'd handmade it. But I don't want to take all the credit from wild grain. So up to this point, I've remained honest. Wild grain is the first ever bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries. You will never run the risk of getting bored with wild grain. They are constantly adding new seasonal and limited time special items to try and every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less. Plus for every new member, wild grain donates six meals to the greater Boston food bank. So you can eat good and do good all at the same time. Well, as I mentioned, I recently made some wild grain pasta for a couple friends I had over and they could tell right away that something very special was going on. They asked me what kind of pasta it was. And I really sat there for a second thinking, should I tell them I made this by hand? Because they will believe it. But I didn't. I gave it up. I gave up the love for wild grain and they were super impressed. Now, whether or not you choose to claim credit for something that you give 
someone that's wild grain, I can't control that. But I can tell you that for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissant in every box when you go to wildgrain.com slash jvclub to start your subscription. You heard me, free croissant, and I am saying it with a French pronunciation, in every box and $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash jvclub. That's wildgrain.com slash jvclub, or you can use promo code jvclub at checkout. If you have trouble falling asleep, try sleeping with celebrities. Tell me about your view of, of succulents. I'm not, a, I'm not a huge fan. It's a different kind of sleep podcast. There are some real benefits to parking illegally. Featuring remarkable guests and unremarkable topics. There's two Orlando airports. From the creator of Depression Mode with John Moe, it's Sleeping with Celebrities. Every week on Maximum Fun. Nighty night, sleepyheads. And so, what was the art stuff that you were working? What, what was your medium or media if you if you liked doing a bunch of different stuff? Well, my family came to America in 1980, so um, so we we did not have very much money for art supplies so my media that was, was another thing i was gonna say is like oh no art seems like it's expensive you know it it can be expensive and, and definitely you know i could see how wealthy some of my some of my classmates were in their projects you know but at the same time for me it, there's just something about art you know, my dad was really crafty he basically learned how to be like a carpenter and like a you know like a fixer-upper type guy you know working mm-hmm. in construction and stuff just on on his own just with human ingenuity you know just like sitting down thinking drafting stuff out on paper to figure out how it's done because there was nice. no youtube back then or anything like that right. and it, they just instilled in me especially my dad just kind of instilled in me this attitude of um if you if you can't do it you're just not creative enough Hmm. Like anything, right? It's not the, it's not the, I I had to believe that it's not the expensive art supply that makes you a great artist. It's the caliber of your ideas and your commitment to executing on them, you know? And I mean, even now, like every day I still have that, 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 uh, that poor artsiness where I, I, my kids are hungry. It's dinner time. And I'm not somebody who's just going to go to the grocery store and buy groceries just because I can willy nilly. I'm going to (laughs) see what I have and just, okay, this is what I've got in the house. Like, what can I make with this? And yes. try to make some, the most beautiful thing that I can with, you know, whatever's lying around. <laughs> I think that's such a I think that's such a beautiful quality. I think that's something that, you know, I feel like I have that in me also. And I don't know. I mean, you you can sort of draw a line to your dad, which I think is wonderful. And perhaps he can draw a line to his parents or to his family or to his community. Um, I, I guess I must have gotten that from my family, but I don't I can't necessarily point to it the same way that I would like to be able to just in terms of like I think for me too it's there's the impatience of like why go to the grocery store when I can put together some kind of weird wonderful concoction here or in my case why go get a manicure when I have nail polish why give my why get a massage when I could force someone else who lives here to do it to me why not cut my own hair so I don't have to go across town to get it cut and pay money so there's a lot of like I'm sure I can do that. And sometimes that's not true. And there are certainly like things that I have to draw a line at. Like, I'm not going to be like, I bet I can fix this plumbing problem. (laughs) That's definitely (laughs) not. I'm not going into that at all. But some of the sort of smaller, simpler, like self-care things, it just feels so good to just be able to do it when you want to do it and not rely on anyone else, if that makes sense. Yeah, that does. You might want to get checked out for ADHD. I think that's absolutely... 100% already have been and 100% have it. (laughs) I had raging 100% on all counts. I only figured out during the pandemic that that it's official that I I really do have it and I feel like so much of my life now is like explained. <laughs> oh my god, absolutely. Absolutely. It's to the point and I don't know and I'm not a and this is not a medical podcast and I a thousand percent cannot claim any medical expertise at all but it is so common among creative people that I speak to, in particular on the podcast, but just in my life, that I'm starting to wonder if that's not just a norm that is so normal that we just need to start teaching to that. I guess all I'm trying to say is if you've been diagnosed with that or you suspect you might have it, I just feel like you are beyond not alone, like so far beyond not being alone because so many people 
especially people whose like ideas I'm excited by and stuff, um, you know, have, have been diagnosed with it. So, yeah, I think that's the, the gifts of it. I think, you know, when, when I was growing up, probably when you were growing up too, they didn't even think girls could get it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so well, because, exactly. yeah, the way things, the way that kind of stuff expresses itself might be different depending on what your hormones sure. are doing at any given time. And sure. Or how much, like, CPTSD you're getting from, like, being the oldest daughter of immigrants that, like, counteracts some of the most obvious impacts. Yes. <laughs> yes. And did you have that? Did you have the sort of expectation placed on you of, like, well, you're the oldest. How many uh, siblings do you have? Oh, I have so much pressure. I was, um, I, I come from a pretty big family, but on my dad's side, he, my dad was a, was a, a hoe. I, and I got it from him, to be completely honest. It, it, I really do feel that being a hoe is hereditary because of that. He had five children from three different women that we know of. Okay. All yeah. right. <laughs> so, uh, but was I a Rolling was, Stone. Got it, got it, got it. Yeah. And he was very, very handsome. He actually died uh, partying too hard on New Year's Eve a few years back, (laughs) like in his dress clothes, you know, Okay, uh, doing everything his doctor told me he shouldn't be doing, dancing too hard, smoking too much, drinking too much, you know, but like that, there's a really great way to go if we're being completely honest with ourselves. Like you got to go somehow. It's really not a bad way to go. Uh, But yeah, Papa, uh, Papa knew how to party. (laughs) uh, But I was, so he had five children and I was the middle of his children, but I was my mother's oldest. And I was the first person in my family, in my greater family, born in the United States, like as a native born, you know, native born citizen of the United States. And I did feel a lot of pressure to basically, uh, you know, gain the it, it, the intergenerational wealth. It normally takes like four or five generations to gain in uh, one generation, which is why it took me so long to come back to the arts. That I like yeah. basically just switched to this career kind of like midlife, you know, because uh, yeah. I was trying to do every responsible thing because I was just a really responsible person. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the ADHD just made it. Um, I think. I think disability. Some disabilities are are just social constructs, right? I don't feel. I feel like ADHD is diagnosed because is defined by the problems that it causes for my employers or my teachers or my parents or my lovers, right? But then they don't necessarily see. All the but and then all the gifts that I have that are basically just the flip side of the same coin are just seen as just like magic and talent or like whatever. And I'm like, no, it's literally the same thing. But I get to enjoy, I suffer the consequences, but I also get to enjoy the fun parts. And I think most of my friends who are artists with ADHD will not necessarily admit it openly, but you know, but I will admit like. Some days it's hard, but some days it's really fun to be Ivy Lee. I'm so glad that you are saying all that and that you that because that's I guess that's you're saying in a better way what I was trying to say earlier, which is this idea of like what defines what makes something difficult societally and like how we address it versus like maybe the society needs to change or you know what I mean so I think I I love everything you're saying and I and I completely relate to it I was nodding very vigorously although this is an audio podcast so no one could know um, because I didn't want to interrupt you but I was definitely nodding vigorously and I'm wondering for you how that expressed itself when you're in high school feeling that pressure I mean, did you feel the were you putting pressure on yourself to kind of do too much, do too many different things? Or Absolutely. were you? Yeah. I mean, you, as you said, your your visual arts was kind of the bigger kind of AP extracurricular well, or curricular that that hinges on extracurricular, too. Um, but were you sort of like, I, I guess if I'm going to go to college and get a scholarship, like I should also dip a toe in this and maybe I should be over here doing this. Okay. And was that a good and bad thing or one or the other? I think I, I just had this feeling of I, I'm a curious person, thank God. So it's not it's not that it, it was ever a, a burden to commit myself to learning things like, thank goodness, you know, um, because I, it's not like I had any athletic ability to get myself into college or anything like that. So for me, it was just a feeling of urgency of like I had witnessed so much injustice just growing up in a, just like a, you know, just growing up really poor in a really poor neighborhood, a really poor immigrant neighborhood. I, I had just personally witnessed so much injustice that mm. I felt that there was, 
I, I wasn't trying to get the highest grade. Like, I didn't care about the grade. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Like, I'm saying, I was like, I need to learn this entire, I need to learn, I need to take every history class that I am, that is available to me. I need to, uh, I, I'm getting a hundred in English because that's the highest grade I can get. Not that's all there is to get right, but I need to be able to write so persuasively that I can mm. convince nations to come and and help my community. I need to learn wow. uh, math not because I need the four point oh GPA. I need to take every math class that is available because because somebody who knows math better than me is going to come and cheat someone that I love. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like I need to know. I well, need to. I, I'm yeah. like just desperately plumbing these like areas of knowledge that I could do because I have ADHD because we have these like hyper fixations. We have this like almost excess of attention that you can just kind of uh, it's like, if I have this big problem, I can like turn it around you know, in every which way. I also think it has something to do with um, having like a really good sense of spatial perception. Like before I was a teenager, I was drawing, going to college was like plan D of running away from home. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> I just my parents were fighting all the time. Like my parents mm. are hilarious, fascinating, resilient, incredible people who loved each other very much. But just because you love somebody does not mean you should marry them. Like you can't choose who you love is what I learned from them, but you absolutely should choose very carefully who you marry. <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. <laughs> and so my my home life was like, you know, just kind of constantly inconstant, you know what I mean? And so um, my first plan to run away from home was um, every time my parents drove me somewhere, I had just a little spiral notebook and my little Crayola markers, and I would draw maps of every place they were taking me so that when I ran away from home, I wouldn't need them to get to the places I needed to go. (laughs) Yeah. That's (laughs) so industrious. I love it. I never could... As like a five-year-old between like Lunar New Year and my birthday and Christmas and stuff, I never could quite save enough money um, to run away from home. I had like a target amount of money that I needed to hustle to get to be able to run away from home. And it just like plan A didn't work. I can't remember what all, but I was just constantly having schemes of like, how am I going to run away from home? But like in a way that doesn't disrupt my education goals. (laughs) Yeah, that's amazing. That goes to the whole dichotomy of sort of logic, the way the way we're thinking as young people. And not to say that that necessarily goes away entirely, but um, it's just been coming up on the podcast a lot. This idea of, you know, both wanting to do this thing that on its face seems like the classic, rebellious, irresponsible only living in the moment kid thing to do, which is to run away, but like also having this incredible mature like awareness that your education is still really important and those two things existing side by side in this kind of contradiction this sort of yin and yang if you will I'm not just saying that because you're Asian that's a true like amazing thing that I feel like we just see a lot in personalities but especially in teenage personalities like I just had um, Holly Laurent on and she was talking about how she was the most and least confident she's ever been in her life at exactly the same time. And it was when she was a teenager. Like, and I got it. I totally got it. I was like, yes, yes, that is so true. And so I love this idea of you being like, I'm going to be methodical about running away. I'm going to come up with a target goal. I'm not going to let it affect my uh, my education. But I, yes, 100% am going to run away. I just need to hustle a little bit. Like, do you, what... Do you remember what your kind of not necessarily like the actual exact target number was, but sort of what that encompassed for you, what you thought you needed based on your experience as a teenager, like or as a younger as a as a kid being like, OK, I'm going to need this, this and this. Um, I'm going to need it for X amount of time. Of course, I'll have to like, did you have all of that kind of was that part of the the number you came up with and, and why? Uh, pro- probably. I feel like I was like a really, you know, in- industrious planner because I was the oldest sister, even when I was like seven years old, you know. But I I, I, I think the big thing I was like, I'm going to steal this blanket from the home so I can stay warm in the winter. And I'm going to go sleep in these corners of the school. Um, it, it, it has never occurred to me that my parents were just going to come to school and get me, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Because I'm like, can so you didn't come to the school yeah. and just get me? You weren't like, I'm going to live in the Dallas Museum of Art. I feel like that was like, that was something that was in a lot of um, fiction and stuff for for young people at a certain point was like, 
we'll go live in the museum or we'll go live in the mall. Like, it's okay. We'll have everything we need right there in the mall. I do. Presumably I do we'll vaguely remember those. Yeah. Back when there were malls. But you're like, no, it's not going to affect my education because I will be living at the school I go to. Yeah. And bada like, bing, bada, bada boom. Different... <laughs> yeah. I'm living on campus. It's basically a pre-dorm dorm. Come on. Basically, yeah, it's got everything I need. It's got a school cafeteria. It's got all my classes. It's got a bathroom. Amazing. Amazing. Like, I'm good to go, you know. Yeah. But it, I feel like I could only, like, do it. Just kind of getting these, like, wild ideas and being able to learn things from one area of knowledge and applying them to another area of knowledge um, is just a thing that, you know, neurodivergent people do. <laughs> totally. Totally. And it, and it, you know, and people who, you know, aren't seeing the, the, you know, mental illness part of it, the disability part of it, they see that part and they're like, oh, well, what, what creativity, what artistic genius or, or whatever, because they're not, they don't understand that I can't be another way. Yeah. Yeah. But that's that okay, totally right? If they, if they feel like it's yeah. magic and they're willing to pay for it. Then that's fine. That's totally fine. Then, you know? that's, then that's fine. Then that's fine. Well, in the midst of kind of being overcommitted in uh, in the way that you felt like you needed to so that you could um, do all of these things and accomplish all these things. And however much of that was pressure from your family and however much of that was pressure on yourself and wherever those things swirled together. That's a lot. I mean, that's a lot to a lot. have. Um, I fell asleep do, every yeah. single day during calculus BC. Oh, yeah. Because the teacher has such a soothing voice, and I just didn't get enough sleep. And so every <laughs> yeah. day, and math to me was just so relaxing. It's oh, not like stimulating. So it's just envious. like relaxing. Yeah. So I would literally, they would do the school announcements in third period, and I would literally just lay my head down and sleep. And at the end of the semester, the teacher was like, Ivy, just go to AB calculus and go sleep there. <laughs> you know, and that's because she's like, and that's exactly what I did. And then I was like, okay, it's the second semester. I just went to AB calculus, slept there, and then just passed the AB calculus AP exam, you know? <laughs> oh, good for you. I wish math had been either stimulating or relaxing to me. Instead, it just gave me a general uneasiness. Like, oh, this is what it feels like to not understand something that you're being taught, which was the only place I really felt that. You know, everything else was came so easy that um, it inspired a certain laziness that I'm not proud of, but you just kind of know what you know. Like you said, you go to public school, you don't know what you don't know, um, and you know what you know. And But math was a place where I really was like, oh, no, this doesn't always make sense to me. This doesn't, you know, this doesn't, this this form of logic is supposed to be the most concise and sort of unsubjective, and it's and I'm finding it the hardest to get right. You know? To me, it was because it was a, a system and it was largely symbols um, that were really visual and you could just kind of skim before a test. It was the only one that you didn't have to stay awake for. I'm so Cause, envious. Because every other class, you actually had to listen to the facts in lecture and write them uh -huh. down. Do you know what I mean? Whereas oh, like, what a gift. you could just kind of skim your textbook for math. You didn't really have to be awake. You didn't have to be conscious oh, like... You didn't have you're to learn me. math in real time. Do you know what I mean? Oh, you're <laughs> killing me. I love it. I'm so envious. I love it. That's so inspiring. Um, did you have time to have passions that had absolutely nothing to do with school? Like, were you, did you have music you listened to that made you feel kind of seen? Did you, you know, were you like loving movies or did you have to watch SNL every Saturday night? Like, did you have stuff that felt really important to you that you made time for despite having no time? Um, SNL wasn't funny when I was a teenager. Mm -hmm. um, there were definitely like several decades, you know, when you add them up where SNL just wasn't funny. I'm going to have to agree wholeheartedly. Right. So, so it wasn't that. I definitely did not see myself as a comic at all. Uh -huh. <laughs> and there was nothing, I think there was nothing in media to tell me that I was a comic. But I did love, I, I'm very lucky, I lived during the 90s just kind of um, renaissance of black sitcoms and in living color and those kinds of sketch shows, you know? Um, so there's plenty to laugh at. There's lots of story. Uh, but TV has been a passion, I think, because TV was my baby. TV taught me how to speak English. Like no one in my family could yeah. speak English, right? I learned wow. how to speak English from when MTV 
only played music videos. Like that's how that's yeah. how literally how I learned how to speak English. You know, that's amazing. and it, it was very confusing. Sometimes I would. Uh, you before since I didn't always have context for the words that I I was learning, uh-huh. um, I and I was raging bisexual and I didn't know that other people weren't because I wasn't in a family or a part of the world that talks about those kinds of things. You know, even yeah. today, right? Those are those are can be really taboo conversations in a lot of spaces. Sure. Um, that I would hear these like really misogynistic rap lyrics, but I'm just kind of like, I mean, yeah, don't we all think that about babes? Like, you know, <laughs> like I didn't know, I didn't know that some of these terms were gendered. Yeah. You know, I yeah. I was just like, yeah, I I I also feel the essence of this. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I loved you know I loved listening to the radio and making mixtapes for my friends. Um, where you have to like jump up when your song came on the radio so you could, you know, get the next song totally. in the order that you wanted it to be totally. like in the mixtape that you were recording that time. Yes. But yeah, I, I would say most of my um, stuff was at school because I, I didn't really have any other place to go. But but it was a very well-resourced school. Oh, oh, it's time for a quick break. I will be back after a word from our friends at Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Jesse Thorne, the founder of Maximum Fun, and I have a special announcement. I'm no longer embarrassed by my brother, my brother, and me. You know, for years, each new episode of this supposed advice show was a fresh insult, a depraved jumble of erection jokes, ghost humor, and frankly, this is for the best, very little actionable advice. But now, as they enter their twilight years, I'm as surprised as anyone to admit that it's gotten kind of good. Justin, Travis, and Griffin's witticisms are more refined, like a humor column in a fancy magazine. And they hardly ever say Bazinga anymore. So, after you've completely finished listening to every single one of all of our other shows, why not join the McElroy Brothers every week for My Brother, My Brother, and Me. I gotta make sure I get plenty of time for this MASH game with you because I'm going to I'm going to want to hear why you have the answers that you have. So why don't we get into that? Let's give ourselves uh, plenty of time with it. Let me start with oh this is going to be very fun I think based on just what we have talked about so far. Like for example, let me start with three instruments that, you know, at the end of this mash game you will be a virtuoso at one of them. So three instruments that I'm we're going to magically overnight turn you into an expert at three. Uh, saxophone, because my dad wouldn't let me try it because he said that's not for girls. So then I never learned a musical instrument. (laughs) Uh, Xylophone, because you know that that song that Whitney Houston did that's like, you know, you and your friends went out to eat. You said you and three of your friends went out to eat, but only two of you had dinner. Yeah. That that song, um, that it's not right, but it's okay. Um, That's xylophone. Just oh <laughs> yeah, I love it. I can honestly tell you, I'm not sure either one of these instruments have ever come up in conversation of a mash game that I've done, and it makes oh. me super happy. Yeah, um, xylophone love and it. harmonica because it's such Great. a portable instrument. Yeah, I feel like it would be just so fucking impressive if I could just whip out my harmonica. Yeah, like anywhere in the it. world, and just like make a few bucks. Busking Absolutely. <laughs> Do a little busk. Absolutely. Okay, great. Saxophone, xylophone, harmonica. Perfect. Let's do. Ooh, okay. I'm you're going to have to live in an outdoor environment of some kind for Ugh. a week. And <laughs> tying it back it, to the show. I'm so sorry, but I am forced to do it contractually. Not forced to do it contractually. <laughs> Just want to hear what you're gonna say. Um three outside environments and I'm going to give you a yurt, but you still, there's no running, there's no like, you know, toilet. Like you're going to have to go outside. So with those couple of things in mind and nothing else, because I've planned this zero since I just came up with this question, give me three places in the world, like three kind of environments, you know, um, that you would be most quote unquote comfortable yurting it for a week. Oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> They're all terrible. Uh, I feel like um, Holland is not bad. Okay. 
There's like no like a foresty kind of a by the lake or something by the lake. Okay, like a, a lake, clean water yeah. source would be nice. Great. Um, great. yeah, they don't have like any poisonous anything up there. That's very handy. Um, oh, I feel like I'm gonna regret saying this, but like <laughs> there are, but there's no mosquitoes in deserts. Yeah, yeah. their bugs. Well, are... I wish that were still true, but I I can't say that it is true. Oh, really? Yeah, I mean, like uh, it's now Tucson, where I'm from, and Los Angeles have mosquitoes, and it's a super bummer. Oh, so maybe ooh, you want to no. reconsider. Okay, all right mm-hmm. then. No, because what if I end up in a desert and then there was mosquitoes? I'd be like, man, like the one thing I thought I could like, I would be happy not to have. I still have. You'd be so angry. I'm glad we discussed <laughs> this. You might need to tick that off the list. I guess I I don't really know any other natural natural places too bad we're gonna find them for you here's what i'll say i feel like based on what you described about holland i feel like we could stick you somewhere in new zealand as long as it wasn't like a rainy season i feel like you could you would also like let's put you next to let's put you next to like a a beautiful uh clean like natural river in new zealand and i feel like um now i'm just having to do your mash for you i really apologize no but i i think you would like it i think you would i think you would like it and i think you would find You'd be happy. Okay. I haven't really seen any outdoor spaces that I like. So. <laughs> so I just don't know. I just can't. I so just, just give me something. I just can't be cold because okay. I'm allergic to cold air. Well, here's what we'll do. Maybe we'll do this. Okay. If we put you. If we put you in the Sonoran Desert in the fall, for example, I think you'll be safe from mosquitoes. And um, wow, I already can tell no, you I can't had put a you in the Sonoran Desert. Public. I can't. I don't I even can't. know what the Sonora Desert is because I, I went to it's, public that's school. Where the, in that's Texas. where the saguaros are. That's where the saguaros are. What is um, a saguaro? And, and most people don't. You know what a saguaro is. You know. Don't I you? don't. I don't. What do you think? Let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think of a cactus? Oh, okay. Um. Spikes. Like the most cliche, like you'll see oh, it. Oh, cliche, like, like it looks like a coat rack. Yes, it yes. looks like a coat rack. So that's a saguaro. And as ubiquitous as that image is through all of like everything in like interior design and clothing and stuff right now, there's only a very small place in the world where they grow. And that's the Sonoran Desert. And that's that encompasses Arizona and part of uh, Mexico. And da- now don't test me because there may be a little bit of California, a little bit of like New Mexico. But, but no I, mosquitoes. No, for sure. Again, I can't. No, and I can't put you there, Ivy. I can't because it's full of poisonous, scary things. I cannot. Don't I cannot, in good conscience, put you there. This I don't know what, what desert to, to put you for. in. No, and I don't know what I. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know what te- desert I could put you oh, in that isn't oh, going to expose you. Put to me stuff. on a beach. Oh, there we go. Like we'll Cancun or beach. something. We'll put you on a beautiful beach in Cancun. We got. We figured this out. It, we had, it was a process of elimination yeah, of what yeah, not yeah. to do to you. Just some uh, salty water with lots of tasty food. Yeah. Great. Okay. We fixed it. Uh, Okay. Next category. Let's do three artists of some kind. I'm not going to limit you to just the visual arts, but um, that, and I'm not so concerned about whether their personalities that as you understand them are necessarily like good collaborators. Let's pretend they all are like three artists from any era that it would be amazing to kind of collaborate on something with. Like my example that I've never really brought up before, I think would be Andy Goldsworthy, who does these amazing, <laughs> yes, outdoor sculptures. Um, but I love like I love what he does with like what's out in nature. But, you know, could also be, you know, just an amazing like Frida Kahlo type or um, or even a, just a, when I say artists, I could be you could be Whitney Houston, you know, that you're going to collaborate on something with. Three things. Oh, three. collabs. Oh, my gosh. Just three. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. There's so many people I want to collab with. Um, I do love musicians. I do wish com- comedy and music had a more inextricable relationship. Um, yeah. You know, uh, than it currently does. I feel like Dave Chappelle kind of like does that like every once in a while. Um, Bad Bunny. Oh, my God. Oh, great. Please. Great, great, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you said dead or alive, right? I didn't, but, uh, and I don't know why, I don't know why you heard me say that, but, um, that's amazing. Oh, Dead or Alive. I was like, Dead or Alive, the band? Oh. (laughs) Yes. Living or Dead, that is, time is not, time and and life and death don't exist in this alternate universe. So you can, they can be. Oh, you know who'd be super interesting? Um, so I'm Buddhist. I think it would be really interesting to try to collaborate with Chance the Rapper. Oh, sure. 
because Great. he's so pointedly Protestant Christian. I love this. I love that this. I, okay, I think it'd wonderful. be super, interest, super interesting. Yeah. Um, the process would be really interesting. I love that. Um, and Cardi B. I just great. love Cardi B. She's so fucking real. Great, great. Great, great, great. I could not love these choices more. Wonderful. Okay, next one. We're going into the romance category. Okay. Romance. Three people. They could be characters from a thing. They could be cartoons. They could be literary characters. They could be people who were real but who are no longer alive, and you get to pull whatever your favorite era of theirs is. Three people that you want some romance and sexy times with. I'm not committing you to this person forever. This could be a short-term or a long-term. It's up to you. Yeah, that, that helps a lot. So they don't yeah, have to right. be husband material, right? Or wife 100%. material, right? 100%. Um, you know, when I was a teenager, I, I had a really big crush on Dimitri from Anastasia. Oh, amazing. Yes. Right? Yes. Oh, God. Yes, 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 he was, yes, yes. I was like, mm, they don't make him like that over at Disney. Yeah. No girl. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Perfect. Um, <laughs> every, I feel like I can't say any of because I'm like, what if I get famous and then I like run into them? <laughs> it's harder. It is definitely harder with people who are still around. It just is. I understand. Because it's just so, because I would just die, right? <laughs> yeah. Just yeah. Die. I melt into a puddle. I do like yeah. shows in LA like all the time. What if like, like, I would just die? Yeah. That, that's be why I was like, Dimitri's easy, right? Fictional, like no big yeah. deal. Well, it could Ooh. be like a care, like it could be, a, it could be a person. I mean, if you're talking about a comedian, that's harder to extract because that is still that they are their personality for the most part. But if it's like a person who was in a movie who played a role and you're not picking the actor, you're picking the role that they played, you know, uh-huh. then you're then you're still safe. Um, even OK. If you them. OK. You know what I mean? Well, so, here, you know what? I would die anyway. Um, so I would say either. So Tenoch Huerta, but. But really, it's the character. So really, it's the character that he played in um, uh, Wakanda, Wakanda Black Black uh, Black yes. Panther, Wakanda Forever. But then I'm like, I I think it just might be him. <laughs> okay, should I? Do you want me to go for it? Yeah, I think just him, like yeah. Tenoch Huerta. Yeah. Any character, um, yeah. Own it. I love it. Oh, and it's I a would, great choice. Right, like it's because it, it's look like even if he hears this, like I would die anyway. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. Uh, there you go. You're dying. No, you're dying no matter what if it happens. So you're good. And then Tessa Thompson. Oh yeah. Yeah 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 yeah. I have yeah, such yeah. a crush on Tessa Thompson. For Tessa- good reason, my friend. For good reason. Beautiful. I love these choices. Um, can't wait to see which one you end up with. Uh, next category. Let's do three movies that you can jump into whenever you want. You're not reliving the plot. It's just your opportunity to immerse yourself in that world with those characters, and you're totally safe. Nothing bad's going to happen to you. Oh, okay. Well, then I guess uh, Black Panther. Right. Right. Because that. Because then I'll get to meet to know Twerpa. <laughs> yeah, I like this. You're that you're world. you're backing your way into it. You're like, I'm going to get to him. <laughs> <laughs> One category One or, or another, other. I yes. will get to him. <laughs> um, I really, I really loved um, the 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 version of Canada that they made in um, just in uh, Red Panda. Oh, great! Yeah, great, great, great. What's another world that was just like lovely to be in? I was like about to say like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon because it's just so magical, but it, that there's yeah. just so much duty. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I think it's a really stressful. I think in real life, like I think it's the tension is beautiful to observe. That's and a really good point. Vicariously, but yeah, I don't think I. Damn would it! Really no, wanna... you're right because you don't want to necessarily remove it altogether because then because then it's not. You're sexy. right. It changes. Yeah, it changes the. Yeah. Oh damn. Yeah. I love the step it up movies. I I wish that like. Oh sure. I think like if if it was that much tension, but the stakes were ultimately like winning a dance battle. Yes. But then I got yes. to be like friends with people who have things in common with me. That was like my fantasy when I was a teenager to like be in a dance crew because I love yeah. to dance so much. But I was such a nerd, like none of my friends dance. OK, I'm putting you in a step it up. Is that good? Yeah. OK, beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful. OK, next category. Let's do three Ooh, what do I want to do for you? Let's do three. Boop, 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 boop. 
Well, give me three. Okay, where you are, where you live now, there's there's a sort of magical door, right, that leads into a room that's as big or as small as you want it to be, and it's okay. sort of not part of the blueprint. It's I want to say like a room of requirement, but it's it's the, it's got this magical property where you know you can add a full extra studio into your your house, or you can add a spa room or whatever. We're giving you so I'm like doubling down on you not wanting to be outside and giving you another bonus room inside. <laughs> Three. What are the sort of the themes of the three rooms? Um, definitely a craft room. Great. Like a studio. Love. I. Uh, craft room. A. Just want. I just want one to be like a giant closet. Great. Where I could see every piece of clothing that I own and give it its like proper display space. Great. Um, and then I would really love like a, a woman's sitting area. Uh-huh. Almost like a, yeah, like a, I want to say a parlor, but maybe that's not. Yeah, just like a really women's. sumptuous, absurdly Ooh, feminine. sumptuous, yes. Not this like, ugh, gender neutral shit I have to do. Uh-huh. My house, it's like <laughs> in my straight right. passing marriage. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like zero compromise. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay, beautiful. Uh, okay, next category, second to last category. Let's do three skills that uh, you don't currently have that you would love to be able to have to apply to your sort of daily life or, you know, something a little bit more regular than like, oh, I can turn invisible. You know, maybe it's that you can fix anything or that you can build a wood cabin if you have to live out in the outdoors. I don't know. But three three yeah. practical use kind of skills that we're just going to give you overnight. Uh, I would love it if I could smell ticks and rattlesnakes. Oh, I think that would give me a, a greater sense of security going outside yes. if I could just sense whether or not they were a yes. problem in that moment. I love Instead it. Instead of just every moment they could be a problem, you know? <laughs> yes. yes, I do know. <laughs> um, I can't do pull-ups. Okay. Yeah. I would like Let's to be able to, to do pull-ups. I'm going to expand that out. Not only can you do pull-ups, but you can like shimmy up a tree or one of those ropes that has knots in it. You're just like... Parkour. Let's just call it parkour. Oh, hell yeah. I wish I could do parkour. Great. I'm so glad we got... Okay. Parkour. Love it. Love it. Love it. And then what's your third one? I feel like... That there's all these videos of people who um, can dance while they roller skate. Oh, yeah. And I think it's not out of my realm, but I think I'm just always so scared of falling that I'll never yeah. go out on a limb far enough to be able to yep. get past the fear and, and just do it. Possibly in this world, you will have the roller skate dancing chops of a pro. Uh, final and a category. dance crew to do it with. <laughs> And the dance crew to do it with. You got your backup. Uh, final one. I'd love to hear three musicians. Now, this can be like a composer, a singer-songwriter, a band, hip-hop, whatever you want. That uh, three three individuals or bands that are going to compose like a soundtrack for Ivy. And so it's music that has never existed before. And it's going to be just for you. And it's going to sort of encapsulate like, yeah, this is like what I, this is the music that I want my my life to be, you know. Um, so this is like. this is like overly like hard and easy uh, because I actually know so many musicians. <laughs> yeah, love um, it. That like personally, that I'm like, oh, this is like not a game. Like this is yeah. real, right? So oh, Fogo, Fogo actually has a composer, and yeah. he basically makes. And since my show Fogo, if you're going outside, is like a documentary basically about yeah. what I had, what me trying yeah. to figure out how to go outside. He he has composed a soundtrack to Beautiful. the past couple years of my life. There you go. <laughs> His name is Michelangelo Rodriguez. Um, oh. There's a producer in Atlanta that when we were young artists in Atlanta, we were coming up together and we did a bunch of showcases together. I was doing spoken word poetry at the time and he um, was doing music. He is still a kind of a big deal producer. His name's Cato, Cato the producer. Oh, great. Um, yes. I think he would be like amazing. And then here in Austin, um, there's a woman who's a singer, is a musical artist. Her name is Maylat. M-E-L-A-T and she just has she's she does R&B and soul and she just has the voice of like an angel yes oh my god this is amazing I love how personal that's great that's great this is great okay all right uh give me a word that may maybe helps describe 
your feeling about uh, like even just this upcoming weekend, what you what you have going on this weekend? Like, is there a word that, you know, whether you're dreading it or looking forward to it or whatever, just a word that kind of helps um, lean towards that feeling? Lean towards uh, chaos. Great. Great, great, great. Okay. I am going to come up with this 100% guaranteed MASH alternate universe life. Um, will you please tell people about FOGO and anything else, where to find you, all of that good stuff. Do some vamping. Do some uh, promoting. You, I want everyone to be uh, very, very enthusiastic about following everything you do if they don't already. Okay. I, I, want, I want them to, too. That's what I want to, do. <laughs> Okay, great. Let's make it happen. Um, okay. So I host a show uh, by called Fogo, Fear of Going Outside, which is a nature show by the most reluctant host ever because, uh, as you know, I'm, I'm allergic to cold air. I'm allergic to almost all Texas <laughs> trees, plants, and weeds. Oh, uh, so I'm an indoor allergies. person. <laughs> Everywhere is so hard for allergies. Oof. Uh, because we keep killing all the female trees because we mm. don't want them to fruit and all the male trees mm. are the ones that produce all the pollen. Just uh, skeet, 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 like about, everywhere. People. Yep. Uh, when we we are like overly wanting to overly control what our what our boulevards look like, and right. and now we're just all sick all the time. So, um, but I will say I am obsessed with nature shows. Uh, that is absolutely part of the television diet that was like, I was, I mean, I was growing up, my parents worked weird, weird hours. I was watching television probably eight hours a day. Yeah. <laughs> and oh, look, damn. now yeah. I speak English. So yeah. <laughs> nothing wrong with that. See, uh, nature shows are a part of it. So I love nature shows so much that I wanted to make one because sometimes I'm like screaming at the TV, right? Like a guy sticks his hand in a catfish hole and I'm like, how do you know that it's okay to yeah. stick your hole in that? You know? Yes. Yes. And I want to know, I want to ask the follow-up questions that they never ask because they're just reckless white men. And we give them the credibility that they didn't earn because they have these like cute foreign accents or whatever. Yep. So my nature show asks the questions that as indoor people actually want to know. In season one, I did everything it takes to figure out how to go camping. And I actually did it. Right now, season two episodes are dropping every Monday. I am trying to figure out how to go hunting. And the plan is obviously to actually go okay. do it. It has been yes. a total shit show so far, but hopefully it'll be entertaining for you. <laughs> <laughs> you people. <laughs> uh, but Amazing. yeah, I, I lived it. Uh, if it, it. It has been so crazy trying to figure out how to go hunting. If I didn't live it myself, I would not believe it. Yeah, I love it. I love it. Okay, beautiful. Uh, while this was happening, wonderful things were happening in the MASH universe. Uh, I'm excited to tell you about them. Um, God, where do I even want to start? Uh, well, first of all, I want to continue the longtime collaboration that you have now had with, um, and is it Mike and Mike and Vangelo Rodriguez? I Michelangelo. Think I Michelangelo Rodriguez. Uh -huh. That's all you said. I can't read my own handwriting. That's what happened there. <laughs> I was like, I guess that's a K. That doesn't seem right. Um, so that is ongoing. This this uh, amazing soundtrack to not just your show, but um, other places beyond in your life, if you so desire, that is happening. Certainly that will include the week that you spend uh, near a fresh, clean, beautiful river in New Zealand. Um, mm. I am rewarding you after that experience with a mansion. I realized that I didn't really set that anywhere because I was so focused on torturing you by putting you in a wilderness Outdoors. space for a week that <laughs> I, I guess I guess your mansion is inside Step It Up. So whenever you want to jump into Step It Up, you can live in a beautiful mansion in the environs of uh, that movie or those movies. We'll even lump it all in. That explains why you have uh, a giant closet there, certainly. Uh, you also have a giant closet where you are now. That's just this magical room where everything has its place and you can see it all and everything's given the love and tenderness uh, that it deserves. You also, uh, I, wanna, I want you to feel heartened by the fact that, and I'm not sure it's going to be a huge problem where you are in New Zealand uh, or in Step It Up, but whenever you are in the outdoors, you can smell ticks and rattlesnakes uh, to the point where they remain entirely unavoid or avoidable for you. So you got that kind of magical and wonderful skill. Uh, you are also uh, able to play the xylophone 
like a complete and total badass. I don't know if your xylophone <laughs> skills are coming in handy with your collaboration with Bad Bunny, but I want you to know that you are going to have one, xylophone or no. So that's going to be up to you. You want to bring that in? Great. You want to leave it behind and just focus on the collaboration with Bad Bunny? It's all you. When and my dance you're... crew finds out that I'm playing the xylophone oh, in a Bad Bunny song, they are going to freak they're all they're in the freak. mansion waiting. They're gonna. Fr- fr- gonna they're gonna yeah. freak. They're gonna hide in the closet and <laughs> jump out of it to congratulate you in the giant closet. Uh, and all of this is being shared by Dimitri from Anastasia. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> that boy fucks. I love it. <laughs> uh, this was so fun, Ivy. Thank you so much. That was, is this what white women call manifesting? Because I claim it. Everything you just gave me, I claim it. I don't know because I can't say I've ever tried to manifest, but I imagine there's some version of this with people who do those like vision boards and stuff. Um, However, mine is 100% guaranteed going to happen. So that's different. It's not, yeah, it's not manifesting when it's a guarantee. (laughs) Yeah. It's not manifesting when I'm manifesting it for you. You don't have to do anything. It's just happening. Um, What a pleasure. It's just a warning. It's just fair it, and warning. It is a warning. <laughs> it's a warning. You can take it however you want. Maybe it is a warning. Maybe it is a warning. Um, Ivy, thank you. Everybody else, I will talk to you next time on the podcast. The show is recorded by me and edited by Julian Burrell. And as always, the JV Club theme song is Back Before We Were Brittle by the amazing Say Hi. Number one, we could save kittens from trees or unsung skyscrapers, bring the villains to their knees. Maybe we should move someplace new and build time machines to go. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture Artist owned Audience supported